Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings, the first episode of 2022. Dan, we are filming this episode in the future, right? Yeah, we should have like bugles go off. I know, it's crazy. Did you ever think growing up, like 2022, <laughs> seems crazy to me. I didn't think much growing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great intro into our segment where we're going to talk about the depths of Scripture. Yeah. So, uh, Lord, Lord has been generous to us both as we have oh, aged, yeah. right? Uh, we've learned a lot. So we're glad to be back. Uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus since December, but we're back and ready to be able to review the message and our service from uh, this past week as we tend to do in this series. Uh, it, it, the overall service was great. Appreciate so much of the feedback we got from people. Glad to hear that you guys were engaging um, and having a meaningful worship experience honoring our Lord. It's always wonderful to hear. Um, but in particular, we want to talk about this. We're back into Second Timothy. Um, we're actually doing part two of a message that was from four or five weeks ago, so you had yeah. to cover a little bit of ground. Uh, but I'm sure even when doing that, there's things that have to have to hit the cutting room floor, so to speak, and don't get out. Mm-hmm. So what were, what were some of the things in particular that you kind of wanted to either reiterate or maybe highlight a little bit more than what you could yesterday from, oh, and we're Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through... 19, I believe, 19, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what are some of those other highlights you want to get to? Well, I think that ultimately we said the teaching truth is that the the idea of the foundational truths need to be established if we want to deal with the functional details or the operational details, we said. So well, I think exactly. Yeah. So, so Paul essentially telling Timothy, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. Or remember this at the end. And so don't, the first thing would be in verse 14, uh, uh, would be not to quarrel about words. Yeah. So the idea of don't have a, a war of words. And it's not meaning that uh, we don't talk about what the meaning of propitiation is. Yeah. The idea is that let your authority not be in the words that an individual says or a group of individuals, namely Hymenaeus and Philetus in this passage, but in the truth of God's word. In other words, when you engage people at the level of logic or worldly philosophy or some mysterious uh, feeling or insight, you lose. And the example here is you ruin the listener. In other words, the listener says, well, I don't know. How can I know? I'm not as smart as that guy or I'm not as uh, insightful as that guy or I didn't grow up in this way. And so eventually they think, I can't compete in this world. And you ruin people. And that word is, you bring catastrophe. And what's interesting, we didn't get into yesterday, but in 1 Timothy 2, that word is used in reference with Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, what happened mm. to Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah. It was destroyed. It became a catastrophe. Yeah. And so when you ruin hearers, you burn them to a crisp. Yeah. You wipe them off of the face of the planet. So it's a big deal. And, and pastors and, and parents and, and people in general have to remember, when I engage on things in society, I have to be careful not to engage on the basis of that authority. And, mm-hmm. and we're living it out, and I didn't tease it out yesterday because simply don't have time, but the whole idea of all the critical race and all the other stuff, when you start appealing to oppose, if you oppose critical race, opposing on the basis of some type of philosophy, mm-hmm. 
and not a particular biblical truth. For example, somebody had texted me uh, that they were concerned that evangelical Christianity was not defining people in regard to that we are of a human race. Mm. And they were started talking about how Marxist defines us. And I just said, well, what does the Bible say? Yeah. You've got the human race, and then you've got nations or ethnicities yeah. referenced. And so that's the basis. Are there are we of one race? Yes. Yeah. Are there distinctions within the race, namely nations? Yes, because that's what the Bible says. Right. It's not that I have to come at somebody and go, well, this person says this, or this philosopher, or this person who studied says this, and so I invest myself into this particular professor or academic. I just go, well, yeah, that's what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how there's this, this thing that seems like we naturally think we have to engage on a level, even if it's a lesser level. Like, I don't know what that is. It's the idea of, Damn. well, if you really think that the Bible's the authority, if you really think God is the authority, you can talk to people if they're on this lower level to maybe help them understand. Sure. But uh, sometimes sometimes I feel like Christians feel like they have to bring a knife to a gunfight. Like, I, I, my, sure. I have the authority of Jesus Christ yeah. and the Word of God, yeah. and I'm willing to talk to you about these other nuanced yeah. things, but this is the authority upon which my argument is, right? Yeah. So, like, exactly what you talk about, something with, like, the races. Look, you could talk about different experience yeah. in history and how it's impacted that, but at the end of the day, I'm not nudging on what the Bible says about race. Yeah. We're all brothers and sisters in that sense, right? And yeah. we can argue it, but I'm right, you're wrong. Right? And I, th I think there's two particular ways I think this is enormous and people will register it, particularly in the life of, of pastors. It seems like pastors seem like they have to climb after a doctorate. Mm. In other words, they climb after them, and then you start scratching a little on the doctorates, and they're in things that don't matter at all. Mm. And, and I think that sometimes pastors can get lured in yeah. because credentials matter. Yeah. Yeah. And so people get sucked into it. The other area is counseling. So people go, well, I wasn't trained in counseling, so I can't counsel and go, but you are a mother who's lived for yeah. uh, you know 40 years. You've got kids. You've done this. You spend time in the Word. You know the Word of God. You can counsel. Yeah. Just because you're not credentialed doesn't mean you don't have value in words. Absolutely. I think it's part of what you were talking about is the idea of we've, we live in a society now where quarreling about words makes you an expert in it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think the idea is yeah. if you can pontificate well or you can be obstinate or even just bold in what you say, then other people who might very well have better experience or better understanding of it will kind of become timid in it. Yeah. And we kind of just go, well, they must be the expert. Um, I think we were talking a little bit earlier about like you go to the doctor's office and you just assume, well, they are credentialed, right? They're the doctor. Totally, yeah. So I should do whatever they say because they know what's best for my health. Maybe yeah. it's your body, right? Like you yeah. still need to listen to this stuff. And I don't say take anything with a grain of salt, but you listen with ears. Uh, I, I talked to my kids about this. When you're listening to people that you know don't love the Lord, you know that's not their heart, it doesn't mean they don't have any true thing to offer, but you always keep your ears tuned for truth. Yeah. I need to be tuned to hear the Lord in this so then I can separate wheat and chaff and kind of and know what's good here and what's not. Yeah, there's a difference between thinking critical and critically thinking. The, you don't want to be negative. You don't want to be suspicious. That's good. But you yeah. want to have the ability to switch that gear to go, okay, I'm at the doctor's now, and he is practicing medicine. In other words, he doesn't know everything. <laughs> and so therefore... 
why would I just believe everything yeah. he says? And so you've got to be discerning. Yeah. You've got to be wise when it comes to a teacher in school with your with your son or daughter. When it comes to anything, a lawyer gives you advice. Well, you just don't listen to it wholesale. Right. You're responsible as a steward That's right. to shift gears and go, okay, I'm going to think critically about this. Is your right and wrong? And when these subjects come down to how the Bible intersects, yeah. because not all truth is in the Bible. Math isn't in the Bible. That's how right. to fix my car isn't in the Bible. But when you come to the categories of life, uh, you shift gears into critical when you hear somebody and they're drawing on authority that is not the word, but it's their rationale and they're appealing to that or they're appealing to a secular authority or some s- statistical insight. You need to shift gears and go, hey, is this a war over words? Are they drawing their authority from words? Or are they saying, seeing the scriptures as the final authority? And that's in huge. And some people think that's naive and we're just saying, oh, just trust God anyway. No, I'm not saying that at all. No. I'm saying kick the tires, investigate, yeah. examine. God's not playing hide and seek. He's playing seek and find. But I am saying this is that when my authority at the end of the day, when the lights are getting ready to turn off, where is my hope? It's in Christ. And where is my source of what I'm going to believe the category? It's in what the Bible says about who God is and how he relates over time as he's related to people and what we've gotten to know about him. And I'll put that on the that that's those are my final cards in any battle I'm yeah, in. Absolutely. That's the way that we need to train and think. And let's let's be clear here. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. We are two pastors here that preach from that pulpit. We are not under any other you don't go, Oh, those are my pastors. I just listen to whatever they say. If we say something that is not lined up with the truth oh, of God's yeah. word, Holy one, uh, that's why we're having a meeting in the lobby next <laughs> We're gonna but, confront Pat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you need to listen to that with everybody. We should all more, oh, maybe yeah. more so, because we got to give an account for that, right? Yeah. We're all accountable to what the word says mm-hmm. in every way. And we need to be listening for that when we hear people. There will be times where something seems quarrelsome and it's right. It might just seem that way. Sure. Uh, but there are times when we will quote unquote quarrel when we're contending for the faith. But listen to what somebody's arguing about. Are they trying to be right? Are they trying to win a fight? Or are they trying to promote righteousness? Are they trying to promote yeah. the truth of God? Yeah. And I think people think that's more nuanced than it is. In my experience, if you're asking that question, it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick what their motivation is. Well, I think what happens is over time, as you grow more mature, your radar sweep ah, extends oh, out yeah. and it gets more sensitive. That's good. So when I hear somebody... Honestly, I was listening to a message yesterday, Sunday, uh, that uh, somebody was given. It took me about three minutes to go, I know where this guy's coming yeah. from. Just because you've, you've done this for so long, when someone is picking up the Bible, I know exactly where he's going by about three to five minutes yeah. in. Uh, and so, therefore, you just get sensitized to it. And so that's where I think it's really good for people to ask pastors, what do you think? And then get the rationale for it. Just don't get the answer yeah. because you need the rationale because the, the rationale is going to kind of feed you for the, your life. That's good. You just don't want to get the fish. You yeah. want to learn how to fish. And so I, I think that's a big deal. And I think one of the things that the good for us in that radar and expanding our radar is getting used to the tools. Um, I'm thinking of if you've ever had the experience of seeing a craftsman in his workshop that knows where things are and he's been working there, oh, yeah. he almost doesn't, like, they looks like they float. Yeah. Like they go, here's this chisel or whatever. They're not even paying attention. They're familiar with the playing field and they know what they're doing. I think as we get, as we're familiar with the word, we grow in doctrine, we're growing in our understanding of who God is. We're talking to other brothers and sisters and we're learning these things. You get, you, you, that radar just gets so much better.
Oh, yeah, I totally think so. So at that end of that verse where it talks about uh, ruining the hearers, then he goes into verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker as not, no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In other words, okay, you don't want to be that guy, you don't want to ruin people, then do this. Yeah. So the idea of godliness and that those war of words, he says, then don't do a war of words. Don't pull another. You get into the word, you have your arguments, you cut it straight, you make sure you know. And when the Bible doesn't speak to something, you don't try to make it speak to something. Because yeah. that's that's also something that pastors have a tendency oh, to man. do. That this, this passage has nothing to do with this subject. Yeah. I remember hearing Stephen Curtis Chapman and... and uh, hopefully somebody's told him at some point where he cites on his live album he talks where two or more are gathered in my name well, aren't we glad that we're here where two or more are gathered and I was like oh, because oh. in that passage of Matthew 18 it's talking about church discipline it's not talking about a prayer meeting because if you ask yourself the question okay when I pray by myself is God here if two or more are gathered that's a requirement so you go Oh, Stephen, yeah. you put that on a live album forever so the best of people can that's right yeah. Jack it up. Yeah, I think it's it's important for us to remember that um, we're all prone to that. I bet everybody, I know, probably not oh, my I, wife or my mom, because yeah. those two women are perfect, but I bet everybody else has the experience where they're in an argument or conversation, and oh, you think, man. well, I bet this is true. So I'm going to sell it, like, just to give you a little bit of an edge, right? Like, well, I knew when I was a new believer, man, I was pulling stuff from all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I'm going, yeah, this, this is true, this is true. And I had yeah. some very kind, very gentle, very specific, and very gracious people who go, let's talk about that. Yeah. And then just over studying and, you know, moving through academics, uh, you realize, wow, I can't believe, because that had nothing to do with it. It's fun. I remember when I was younger, for some reason, I was really good with numbers. I'm not as much now, just memory. But like, if I saw a statistic, I would remember it for like a year, six months, whatever. Like it, it stick with me. And early on in this corporate gig I was doing, uh, this guy said to me, he goes, you know, whenever you pull out a number like that, that's pinpoint, we all know you're making it up. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, um, and I realized, oh, wait a second. If he's right, this means this is something everybody does. They just throw out numbers to have a piece of information to make their point sound yeah, more yeah, solid, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, I, and I confess, I'm sure I've done that in other areas, yeah. not the number one. Yeah. I think we all do that. The word of God does not need your help to be true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you need to sell it to be more convincing, uh, something has gone awry, right? Well, it's like four out of five dentists recommend this. Really? <laughs> like every year, four out of five, they're off by one dentist? <laughs> I don't think that's true. Yeah. Um, and, we're, and what we're talking about does not need that kind of support. No. This is true. Stand on it. And I know it's tempting. Ah, oh, man, I... You, not only is it tempting to want to win the argument, but we, so, in a genuine heart, we want people to believe this. We, yeah. we want people to know the Word of God, but let Him do His work. Yeah. You, you present it well, the Spirit takes care of making it take root in somebody's heart. So yeah. that's what a, a, a workman who has no reason to be ashamed. Isn't that one of the things that yeah. could be scary? You stand before the Lord. Like, I'm not saying this is what the Lord's going to say, sure. but I don't want Him to go, you didn't think it was good enough, Zach? Sure. But what I gave you wasn't good enough. Yeah, yeah. I think I would be ashamed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I don't want to. I don't want to face that. Yeah. So um, a number of things. Also, when you talked about, he's obviously working on words here because we're moving to sixteen. I don't want to move back too, too fast if we're missing something. But he's talked about quarreling about words, and he talks about irreverent babble. Yeah. And like this idea of this loose tongue kind of. Uh, just making light of things that yeah. you shouldn't make light. We don't use that word irreverent, right? Sure. Well, what do we mean irreverent? What, what, do you, what do we mean by that? Yeah, the idea that something's sacred or noble or holy even, and you treat it 
in a way that it it deserves more yeah. and you treat it less. So an example in this passage would they were saying the resurrection has already occurred. Yeah. So you got this amazing truth. Yeah. And what they do is they add to it or they pull away from it. And so they bring it down. They irreverentize it, you could say. And then the Babel, the word Babel has the idea of chatter. They just chatter on about it. It's this uh, meager, shallow uh, talking about a truth that is majestic. And they've brought it down to be not so majestic. And so they're just killing it. And, And that's when those types of things happen. Um, it is incredibly bad. False teaching is exactly that. They'll take something, a way to know God, whether it's in the gospel or how you relate to God as a Christian, and they'll take this sacred truth and they'll make it out of your reach because it's only accessible to them because yeah. they're better than the average person. God, yeah. God spoke to me. Yeah. And that's when the idea is God spoke to me that you should do whatever. That's taking this dynamic between God and making it irreverent because it's uniquely qualified mm-hmm. to you. Make elevating you yeah. and de-escalate or taking him down because bad teachers or false teachers always do that. They make God less than he is and more than you are. Yeah. And so what happens is when that occurs, ultimately, people grow more and more in being ungodly. That's Why? Right. Because God isn't as valuable. Yeah. When you bring him down... You take a reverent thing and make it irreverent, and you just chatter on. You go, well, God's great, yeah, but he's not that great. Yeah. And when you put that in comparison with what the world's offering, ultimately people grow in ungodliness because they go, well, yeah, I know I should tell the truth because God wants me to, but if I don't tell the truth, I can make a lot of money. Yeah. So God doesn't want me to, this general concept of God, versus if I see God, what he has done for me, and his holiness, and he's a truth teller, and I can trust him with my life, and that he would never let me down, and I want to make him holy in my life. Now, all of a sudden, I compare that with lying, and I go, why would I want 10 grand when I've got a truth-telling God who saved me from my sin, who's majestic, and is going to deliver me unto himself, and I go, and I'm going to sail away from him for that? So you see how the gravitas of who God is pulls you toward him and the greatness of him. So don't be irreverent. Yeah. Don't the, don't chatter on. What, the only reason you are irreverent about anything is to make yourself more revered. Right? Yeah. That's the that's the only logical reason to do that. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> one of the things that we'll see is uh, when we're doing this, we're changing the value proposition and what's there with God when we're mm-hmm. being irreverent, right? Yeah. We all we that's how we function as human beings. Yeah, it's always based on value daily, proposition. Yeah. And you limit that and when you see when you see him in this way and you make light of something, I think sometimes people can go, well, if God is so ethereal and we think about how great he is all the time, then he's not relatable anymore. I, I'll give you an example mm-hmm. of, I remember I had gotten a conversation with, I think in my defense, they might've misheard me, but I talked about how we can be flippant when we talk about um, having a friend in God. Um, they thought I was saying that you shouldn't relate to God that way sure, as your friend. Sure, sure. And I said, no, 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 not at all. But the problem is when you think about God being your friend, I think you think he's like Steve. Or, or Jane or whoever, like yeah. just your buddy. No, no, no. You have a friend in the almighty creator of the yeah. universe. This is a different friendship than anything you have. Yeah. So uh, hmm. it doesn't make him less relatable. Yeah. It makes him more amazing. And when you do that, so we never, we absolutely want people to understand how relatable Christ is in the yeah. truth. 
right? And the way that yeah. he is, but we never bring him down to do that. The yeah. way that we do it is we bring him up and you can see now this connection, yeah. right? He's elevated above everybody else. Yeah. We relate to him <clears throat> on his terms. Exactly right. So in other words, when you talk about being a friend, you can see going to John 14 through 16, where he's talking to the disciples and he washes their feet and what a friend is. Yeah. And then he says, you're my friends if you do what I say. So... That's different than my friend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's but right. But that's a friend. That's and right. And so, but it's his friends on his term. Yeah, he's the paradigm. That's right. Yeah. And so that's why it, the Word of God is constantly reforming us because it's using terms we may use, but it's using in the way that is weighty and solid yeah. and reliable, not coerced by our society or been malformed by our society. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that the Word becomes the, the epicenter of our thinking and understanding. Yeah. And... All these things too, Dan, I think sometimes the reason that we have to talk about this, the reason that this becomes a two-part message in our context is I think maybe we take these things lightly. I mean, I know we do, right? The yeah. way that we talk, we're we're a talky people, right? <laughs> Some of us more than others. <laughs> um, uh, but we got all these words coming out all the time, whether or not it be through our lips or through our fingers on the Twitterverse or whatever it is that you're doing. We're always expressing something. And I think it's important, and you got to a little bit, just to realize he's not making light of this. Mm. The words are important because I don't think Hymenaeus and Philae, they, they, they're, they're not, they don't have a good future in store for them, mm. for what's going on. Um, and I think that's a good thing for us to remember. Y- yes, the grace of God will cover your flippant word. That's mm. kind. That's, and then we, yeah. we're so thankful yeah. for the grace and yeah. mercy of God that he doesn't take us out for all the things yeah. we do. But you don't want to do it. It yeah. is not in your best interest to yeah. take your words lightly. They, yeah. they matter. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons why uh, it's so important as a pastor or as a parent, uh, as a person. Uh, all of us want to get it right, but the more you go up, let's say, the chain yeah. of influence the thor- yeah. when it comes to a pastor, when I get uh, and teaching on Sunday morning to the people we have in our assembly or church, um, I, I just can't get it wrong. Yeah. In other you could say, well, I'm probably going to get some things wrong. But you don't go into it going, I could probably get some... I want to absolutely know. When I walk into it, I've got barrels loaded because you spent time in the Word and it's coherent. It makes sense. Yeah. And that's why when people get up and see people say something like, God told me this, or immediately, as soon as somebody said, God told me this, immediately they've partitioned off you being able to judge them at all. That's because right. Because God told them directly. Yeah. Who are you going to question yeah. God? And immediately that tells me they're insecure, they're unstudied, they're dangerous. Yeah. Because in the end, I don't have anything you don't have. Yeah. And if I have something you don't have, I'm a dangerous individual right. because of who I am. Yeah. I mean, because I can twist things all over. Yeah. So we go in there. That's why we say one of the first things we say normally on a Sunday morning is turn to X where right. wherever in the passage. The because it's really important. Everybody be able to see it. And then... I think one of the things you can tell, what's the difference between a Hymenaeus and a Philetus? How do I know? Well, one of the ways you'll know is if you confront them with, they say, this is what the passage means, and it doesn't mean that. Then you go and ask another pastor, you do your research, and you go back to them and give them what you said, and they go, stick it in your ear. Mm-hmm. Then you, because at some point, Hymenaeus and Philetus said that to Paul mm-hmm. about the resurrection. Out. Yeah. yeah, stick it in your ear, Paul. And he goes, whoa, you're not an uninformed person. You are a false person. 
you are somebody who's interested in pursuing an agenda. Yeah. You can't be in this fellowship. Yeah. So the difference between uh, you've got people in the New Testament, when they hear the word, whether it's everybody from Peter who gets opposed by Paul or Barnabas mm-hmm. who gets drawn away, what do they do? They're correctable That's because right. they're they're interested in the truth. They're not interested in their truth. Hymenaeus and Philetus was interested in their truth. Yeah. And that's how you mark a, a, a false teacher. Yeah. And I've had I've had pastors where you contact them privately. Hey, I'm curious, and they go, "You're right. I didn't emphasize where I was clumsy with this." I've had other guys. I went up to. I was at a Presbyterian church in Philadelphia. Went up afterwards, talked to this individual, and in our conversations, it got to the point that I was very clear what this guy was. He was didn't believe the gospel, believed in the idea that God loves us all and everybody's mm-hmm. going to heaven, and and I had to say. And I didn't say brother. I said, you are in error. And I called him to change that. And he had wanted nothing to do with me. So I go, okay, now it's not somebody who wants to be corrected. Yeah. It's somebody who is building his own empire. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's one of the great ways to tell. And again, this is more conspicuous than you realize, not inconspicuous. I realize that when I use the word conspicuous, people don't realize what it means. <laughs> conspicuous means overt. That, that's obvious, right? Um, so this is this I'm is. I'm glad we could work this out in your life. I, I've just figured yeah. this. Out. I guess I use that word too much. I don't know. Apparently, it's a Scottish thing. I guess there's some of that stuff still and in you're there. You're blossoming, right? Uh, there now you go. There you go. Uh, but the overt thing is, if you try to figure out uh, what they're overtly doing, who they're making much of. It, it kind of becomes easy. Like if you confront somebody with the word and they're trying to make much of themselves, they're very standoffish. Oh yeah. Guys that are trying to make much of the Lord, they'll generally go, come again. Or yeah, let or, me think tell, about me, tell this. me what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Cause they're cautious. And I've had that experience in my own yeah. life and I've seen it move from farther of, look, I know what I'm talking about to yeah. brother. Tell me what I'm talking about. Cause I got to yeah. give an account for this stuff, you know? And, and everybody can have a bad day where they take it personally. Absolutely. But yeah, I've had professors I mean, I've had professors I've brought arguments to, arguments to, and they'll go, "Hey, let's talk some more about this." I'm curious what your what your yeah. the angle because I might be using words they're not used to, but the point is solid, and they're not interested in being wrong. That's yeah. we say that all the time. Yeah. I have no interest in being wrong. So if somebody else is right, I want to believe what they absolutely I have no interest in walking in error. Yeah, at all. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Um, well, where we obviously as all things we can continue to talk about this stuff forever. Um, there's a lot of good material here. I'm excited about what we're moving into. I was just telling Dan that I always I will read this whole entire book and I get confused at where we're at because Paul's just kind of hammering these same points. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can really yeah. see his love for Timothy and that he mm-hmm. wants Timothy to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to benefit from it. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it extends to us. So looking forward to moving on. So yeah. thank you. I uh, look forward to yeah. this week. We'll move further on in it. Um, for the ladies and gentlemen out there, we thank you for joining us. We look forward to being able to spend some time with you on Sunday and then for spending some time with you virtually here on the next episode of Second Helpings. Until then, you guys be working on spreading the fame of God and making disciples of Jesus Christ and enjoying doing so. We'll see you.